This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, good morning. Um, I've, um, we've been here, Denise and I have been here uh, a while now, and it occurred to me as we were getting ready for today that we've never really properly introduced ourselves to you, so I thought this might be a good opportunity to do that. So I'll ask Denise if she'd come up and we'll tell you a little bit about our lives and about our spiritual journey. That's me. I know, goofy looking kid, huh? Um, that's in our backyard in uh, Camden, uh, New Jersey. Most of you know where Camden is, I'm sure. Here you go, here's your... Uh, we actually grew up not too far from each other. We both grew up in Camden, in sort of the eastern part of town, but our, our neighborhood was one called Kramer Hill, and she lived over in East Camden proper. There was a, a, a freight uh, railroad between us, and for years now we've been trying to figure out which one of us lived on the wrong side of the tracks, but... We know. Yeah, I'm sure you do. It was only a little bit after this that I came to faith in Christ. I was about eight and a half years old. My parents had been taking me to Sunday school since I was about five. I understand from them that we actually went a little bit earlier than that, but I fussed a lot in nursery, and they decided it wasn't worth the trouble. So finally, when I was five, I got back in. And when I was about eight and a half, after the Sunday school class that day, I remember the teacher saying, having gone over a little passage in John, John 1.12, that as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the sons of God to those who believe on his name. And uh, we had talked about that a little bit at home, and the teacher had mentioned it before, but then she said, if there's anybody who wants to make that commitment today, stay after class, and I'll talk to you more and pray with you. And, and that's the time I marked my conversion, because although I was only eight and a half, I really meant it, and that was when I came to faith in Christ. Down several years after that, I continued to go to that church, uh, into Sunday school walked a lovely young lady who I, found, I asked around and found that her name was uh, Denise Bior. And uh, I, I learned later what her story was of how she came to faith. Oh, yes. <laughs> As I was thinking through uh, what to say this morning, I was um, impressed by the thought that God really does order our steps even in the generation before us. And I guess that's really where my story began. Uh, my parents, uh, my mother's parents were divorced when she was young, and her father later remarried. And when he remarried, they had a baby, uh, Joseph. And Joseph was born with many birth defects. I think he had muscular dystrophy, he was blind, and uh, the prognosis for his life was not good. And so his wife said to my grandfather, we should go to church. And so they did. And it was there that my grandfather met the Lord. Oh, yeah, that picture. Uh, and then my grandfather then encouraged my parents to come. Now, they, they were very friendly towards church, but they, they really weren't interested themselves. But they sent us to church, my two sisters and I. And it was there in a vacation Bible school when I was about seven years old that the teacher at the end asked if anyone wanted to come and receive Jesus as their Savior. And I went forward, and she took me into a back room. And I remember she had a little flannel graph that showed, you know, and she put up all the pictures of Jesus dying on the cross. And, and she explained that it was for me and that I could receive him as my Savior, and I did. By the way, we can explain to you later if you want to know what flannel graph is. 
I know. I was it, just it, it, it was. Yeah, <laughs> she was going to Google it. It was a very ancient uh, teaching technique, sometimes used with children. Well, I didn't meet her until several years later when she started coming out to our Sunday school and then eventually youth group. Uh, this is us in youth group with a bunch of our best friends. That's us on the left. Just you know, trying to figure out who we believe it or not. That's us. And, uh, and we actually dated in high school. She, we went to different high schools together. She was at Woodrow Wilson. I was at Pensacola High School. But um, we met in youth group and dated, and then dated all through college. Uh, incidentally, the, the church that's in the background there is the church where I was first pastor. Um, years after this, uh, the pastor left, and I was just finishing up college, and, they, and I had been doing some teaching and some other things, and the deacons came to me and asked me if I would fill in and do some teaching, and I said, yes, I would, uh, and, and I, so I did some preaching, and eventually they asked me to be the pastor in the very church where I grew up. Um, I don't know what your experience has been if you've come to faith in Christ early, but for me, there was kind of a process involved of sort of, I guess, updating my faith along the way. Because when I got to be, I remember uh, we had gone to a, a youth retreat during the summer. And I, I'm not sure, I guess I was probably 14, 15 years old. And I just realized that, that I wasn't the same as I was when I was 8 years old. And there were new things in my life, her for one of them. And I just knew that there were things that I really needed to commit to the Lord. Uh, not that I needed to get saved again, but I needed to do business with him so that he knew that I was still interested in being a follower even though my life was different now. And that happened once again later in college where I really felt a need to upgrade or uh, update my faith, I guess, as new things emerged that I was still in it. Well, <clears throat> that dating led finally to a, a wedding, and that, that's in fact, is the inside of that church that we just saw the outside of uh, a minute ago. Uh, I'm smiling. She's not sure in this picture. <laughs> his father said to me, don't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> While he was walking her down the aisle, her father said, it's not too late to change your mind. <laughs> but we went through with it anyway, and uh, life has uh, never been the same for either of us, and I'm not sure if that's always good. Uh, I preached, first of all, at Calvary Bible Church in Camden. My, my second pastor it was a little place called Forked River Baptist Church. Here I am. This is actually a building that we built. When I got there, we were meeting at a community hall, kind of like the arrangement you have here at Crossroads. And then we built a building on the other side of town, and that's where that is, and had the opportunity to lead folks to Christ, and this was our baptistry. The one thing I like all that was all, that little window that we put in there so you could actually see people getting baptized. This is what we look like when the Lord called us to come up here to Montgomery. So it's been a hard 25 years. <laughs> but there we are with, with our four children. Anything you want to say about them? Uh, well, Jill is the oldest. Uh, she's standing behind Jim. Mike is behind me. And then Jeff and Aaron. Uh, yeah, they're all good kids. Yeah. <laughs> They've given us grandchildren. So. Yes, that's the for important that, thing. For that, we're grateful. So here's the whole gang now. This is a, a trip we took, a family trip we took last fall. So that's us there in the middle, you can probably figure out. And our four children were their spouses and our nine grandchildren. We won't bore you with all the names, but they're all wonderful. Especially Denise would love to tell you about them some other time if you have more time. 
we, we really felt it was important to, uh, to be involved in church ministry, and we started out just getting involved as uh, volunteers in our local church. Some of you have been taking the spiritual gifts course uh, on our, in our Thrive Hour, and that's kind of where we started. We just found out places where we could volunteer and plug in and do things, and then as the Lord laid one thing to another, before we knew it, we were actually more and more involved, and eventually some of the guys came to me and asked me if I would consider being the pastor of that little church in Camden. That's how it all started. So I encourage you just to get involved. There was nothing special about us. We weren't born in separate nurseries in the hospital where, okay, this is where clergy people and clergy spouses are born. We were just like average people, just like you all, and still are, except we thank the Lord that he's called us into a special ministry, and we're especially glad uh, to be here with you this morning. Anything I forgot? No, that's fine. Okay. Which of those is your favorite, uh, grandchildren? <laughs> Now I get to spend time with the littlest one. I've had her for I watched she, her three She's three the one on the, week, on the very so far left of the if photo. I, if I talk a lot about her, that's because I'm seeing her the most, but she is really sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's us. If you uh, have your Bibles, you can or, or you want to use one of the Bibles in the uh, seat in front of you. We're in John 21. Sometimes, uh, I don't know where sermons come from all the time. Um, this one kind of uh, percolated in my mind over a period of time. Dave, when his, he gave his message last week, talked about some of the questions that God asks us. And this was a passage where I really thought about God asking us questions. And then Steve's been talking a lot, Steve and Shirley have been talking a lot about the upcoming uh, Celebrate Recovery ministry here. And this got me thinking about people who have hurts and who come in. Dave last week talked about those five kinds of folks. And the, the one, he could be any level of maturity, but he's the one who's hurting. And that got me thinking about hurting people. And Peter, at this point in his life, is kind of one of those hurting people. And I also wanted to talk with one where it's just really simple, that you kind of know it well, and you could get involved and participate with me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask uh, you all, to read the words that are in green. So you will all be Peter. Uh, ben did an excellent job doing his portrayal of this, of this passage of Scripture, but you're all going to be Peter. Steve is going to be Jesus. And then we need two other parts. Um, I need somebody to be uh, the Apostle John. So Mike English, could I call you to be John? You don't have much to say, but it's in yellow, I think. And then uh, there's, one, there's two places where the disciples respond to Jesus. So all the men that are going on Man Up 2016, you will be the voice of the disciples, okay? I'll be the narrator, so let's give it a try. This is from John chapter 21, beginning at verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. That's yeah, all the men, right? I think wow. just a couple of you are missing. They, they, they weren't excited. Okay. <laughs> so Peter told them, and they all said, We'll go with you. Better. So they went and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No. They answered, so he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, as soon as Simon Peter heard this, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, only about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. So Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Thank you. Thank you all. Let me give you uh, just a little bit of background on what has happened to this point. And uh, Ben really set it up well. This is after the resurrection, maybe a week or even two weeks after they had seen him raised. And the disciples have seen him two other occasions where they were gathered together. John comments this is the third time that a group of them had been together. He had also appeared to individuals like Mary and like Peter. In the Gospel of Luke, it mentions that when the disciples first saw Jesus in the, in the room that night, Peter had already seen him personally. Don't know what was said. Neither Peter nor John discussed that meeting. We may get little hints when, John, when Peter writes his letters, first and second Peter, but don't know a lot about what was said. Evidently, they sorted something out. As Ben portrayed, um, Peter was upset about his denial, felt that was a betrayal. The other guys all knew about it, too. They hadn't done any better. They had all run off and left the Lord, too. What makes it all the more deflating, I guess, for Peter is Peter was always the vocal one. He was the guy who was always uh, expressing his love and his commitment to Jesus. He's the one, when Jesus said, you know, when they arrest me, all of you are going to go away. You're going to fall, fall away and leave me, and leave me all, all alone. And Peter said, no, Lord. Everybody else, the other 11 may leave you, but not me. It's going to be hard, Peter. I know I would go to jail with you if necessary. I would die for you if necessary. Oh, Peter had said it all. But then in the courtyard that night, when Jesus was on trial, Peter three times denied that he knew the Lord. 
Jesus had told him, Peter, you're going to deny me, and when the cock crows, it'll be the third time, and you're going to realize it. And Luke tells it in a very poignant way. When Luke explains that incident, that moment, he said that Peter denied him the third time, actually swore with curses that he never knew the man. And just then, they were taking Jesus into the hall. Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter heard the cock crow. And it says he went outside and wept bitterly. So that's where Peter was on Friday afternoon after the uh, crucifixion. He's discouraged. He's excited because he saw Jesus. He really knows that Jesus is alive. He believes that. But evidently, not everything had been taken care of. And what I want to do is just kind of walk you through what Jesus' kind of counseling ministry is with Peter at this moment in his life. Because I don't know about you, but... I've, I've had those moments where I just felt like I failed the Lord. Whatever the reason, sin in my life, uh, uh, denial. I can still remember a time. Um, it's funny how just mo- moments are captured in your mind. So my, my oldest daughter, Jill, would have been probably eight or nine years old. So this is going back more than 30 years. And she was going to a Christian school at the time. And she was active in the Sunday school, and she had made a profession of faith in her own. And she was just excited about telling other people about Jesus. So she, was, she spent a lot of time with me. She was our oldest, and she, we went places together. I had errands to run, and I was at the, um, the garage uh, picking up my car that had been worked on, and she was with me. And I'll never forget that our mechanic's name was Mel Kling. And uh, she had met him before, but now she was really excited about her faith. And as he was doing the paperwork, she said to me, Dad, she said, we should tell him about Jesus. And I said, yeah, well, I, this really isn't the place. This is a place of business. And the, Yeah, but you know him. We should tell him about Jesus. Go ahead. Go tell him about Jesus. And I said, well, we can do it later. And I don't know if I wounded her spirit or not, but later I was just crushed and I wept that I had denied the Lord in that place. Maybe you have times like that 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 you've kind of thought through. Or maybe it's been other times when you were living a life and you just knew that the way you were living wasn't a good representation of what God can do in a life. And you know that all the people at work or in the family, they know what you're really like. And boy, if you told them anything about Jesus, they just, they wouldn't listen because he hasn't really done in your life what you claim he can do in theirs. Wherever it is that you find yourself and you have ever felt that sense of kind of failure or or defeat in your Christian life, then watch as Jesus uh, counsels with Peter here for just a moment. The first thing I noticed is that uh, Jesus makes sure that Peter understands the renewed relationship that he has. Three times Jesus says to Peter, uh, do you love me? And we know what Peter's response is. They must have talked something about this in their private encounter, I suppose. But this was a public venue. All the other guys are there. Not all of them. There are seven of them there. We're not sure who's missing exactly. Ben gave us a list of the ones named, and it says then there were two others. Everybody seems to guess that it's Philip and Andrew. They're the two others. It makes a lot of sense. Nathaniel was there, and Philip was Nathaniel's best friend. Andrew was Simon Peter's brother, so maybe that, that filled out the seven. There's still some guys missing. There's uh, Matthew's not there, Jude. Um, who's the other guy? 
Um, I'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> so there's, there's four of them that aren't there. They, they haven't picked the 12th yet. Uh, Judas is gone at his own hand. Um, and they haven't picked a replacer for him. So there's four that aren't there. But all the guys from Galilee, all the guys that hang out and fish are all there. And Jesus wants to make things right with Peter in such a way that uh, the other guys know about this. And he can kind of set it, for that, set it up for them too. Because although Peter was the most boastful one, and probably had, in that sense, the most to kind of live down, the others hadn't done any better. In fact, at the scene at the cross, it appears that only John was there at all, because we know that Jesus says, hey, John, take care of my mother. All the other guys had fled, and even John wasn't vocal. So they're all in pretty much the same situation. Jesus wants to make sure they understand this. Now, what he does is an interesting thing. When he's restoring the relationship, he first asked Peter, do you love me? Some of you may know this, that there's a couple ways to say love in Greek. Did you know that? There's a, a couple of different words. It usually shows up as love, but it's like, kind of like love of a different sort. Some of you may have heard of the word agape or agapao, that, that kind of love. That is like the highest level, the highest bar of love. That's the kind of love that God had toward us when it says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's that agape love. It's that love that's self-sacrificing, that only seeks the other's interests, even above your own. Kind of love that God had towards us. There's a couple of other kinds of love, but the one that most often is mentioned is a phileo love. Our own wonderful city of Philadelphia, you may know, means the city of brotherly love, right? Phileo means love, and Adolphos means brother, so it's the city of brotherly love. Well, if you watch the news, it doesn't always live up to its name on any given day, but that's what the name means. That kind of love is still, is still a strong and enduring love. It's better than, some people say, well, maybe it's just like love and like, but it's much stronger than like. It's a real sense of bonding between us because we have things in common and share goals and interests, and we really care about each other. What you can't tell from the English always, except that the NIV does it a little bit by using the word, do you truly love me, is that Jesus is saying, do you love me with agape love? And Peter is answering back, Lord, you know that I phileo love you back. So you know that I love you. I'm embarrassed to speak of agape love, Lord, because you know that just a couple of days ago, I denied you. I didn't seek what was best for, for me or the others. So I'm doing the best I can here, Lord. You know my heart. You know all things. You know my heart. You know what's in my heart. I'd be lying if I thought I could aspire to that agape love right now. But as, as best as I know how, who I am, and given all of my failures, I love you. Jesus kind of works through that three times in total. As Ben indicated, it may well be that the reason he'd said it three times was that he wanted to give Peter an opportunity to proclaim his love for the Lord just corresponding to the three times that he had denied him. I noticed that Peter sometimes needed a lot of additional reinforcement of truths. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, there's this one time where Jesus wants to make sure that he gets out to people beyond just the Jews and speaks the word to the Gentiles. And three times, Jesus has to send the same vision to him to tell him that it's okay to go out and tell the Gentiles about the gospel. They need it too. So Peter, I guess, just needed that kind of reinforcement. I'm, I'm hoping that George Tenney, who led our, 
our uh, personality and behavior class this morning can kind of figure out who Peter is in, in, on that whole analysis. But, but he needed that kind of reinforcement all the time. So three times Jesus deals with it. And the others are listening in too, because he says, do you really love me more than these others? That's what, Jesus, that's what Peter had boasted on one occasion. Lord, I love you more than all these others. The, I could see my other friends leaving you, but I never would. And Jesus said, how is it now, Peter? How do you feel about that now? Because I think he wants to make Peter's relationship with him right, Jesus. But he also wants to make Peter's relationship with the other guys right, too. So he, he renews those relationships with himself and with the others. When you're uh, feeling like a failure uh, and you're coming back to the Lord, I think the first thing I need to deal with is that sense of relationship. Lord, I, I denied you. Lord, I failed you. I know that. And as best I know how, as I confess my situation, I also want to affirm that I really do still love you. I messed up big time this time, but I really do still love you. And he tells us that he loves us back. Or as Peter in our little skit this morning said, uh, Jesus gave him a big hug and there were tears in his eyes. I believe that's really how it went down. Jesus wanted to reaffirm the love that Peter had for him. That's a place to start. When we feel that we failed, whether it was that time all those years ago when I denied him in a little gas station waiting room or wherever it's been for you, the first thing I needed to do was get back with the Lord and know that I did still love him, even though I had failed him. So renewing relationships is where it begins. And Jesus gives him the opportunity to do it in front of the other six guys. And I'm sure the other four will hear about it before you know it. That's the first thing they probably talked about when they all got together later on. You should, you should see what happened. Let me tell you what happened with Peter and, and Jesus the other night around the fire. The second thing that uh, happens when we um, get right with Jesus is Jesus has this sense of restoring ministry to us. Each time he asks him to reaffirm his love, Jesus' response is, then get out and do ministry. Feed my lambs. Tend and nurture my sheep. He says, get out and do ministry. And not just with these guys necessarily, but you all need to have an eye towards other people that are going to come. There already were others than just the 11 who had trusted in Jesus. So let's give yourselves to working with them. Not in a bossy way. Peter used to think you were all that once upon a time. And now you're humble because of your denial. So let's, let's take that humility, understand that you're in a good place now. You're forgiven, but now you're in a position to go out and encourage others. It's, it's the uh, humble and sensitive work of building others up, of encouraging others, just like a shepherd would sheep. So he puts them back into an area of ministry. One of the things you should do as you come back to the Lord, wherever, however long you've been away, is to not only reaffirm that love relationship you have with him, and reaffirm the love relationship you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ and the others in your sphere of influence, but you should look for opportunities to serve. Now, I know that sometimes our sin or our denials may put us in a place where there's certain areas of ministry that aren't for us right now, but we need to look for other areas where we can meaningfully pour ourselves into the lives of others. 
just in humble and simple ways. As I said, I wasn't always a, a pastor. Um, in fact, even since I've been a pastor, I haven't always been a pastor. There's been times when I've been uh, in between um, pulpits. And even there, we always want to find out how can we link up with the church? How can we get involved? How can we teach? How can we encourage? How can we usher or greet or set up the coffee or whatever it is that we, the Lord has given us to do? We find places to do ministry to encourage the lives of others. In that little video clip that Steve gave us this morning from the skit guys, um, in the interaction between Tommy and Eddie, uh, Eddie says, uh, you're never just plateaued in your Christian life. You're always either moving closer towards me or drifting away. At this point, I think Peter was running the risk of drifting away. He had gone back to fishing. Now, it may just be that they needed a couple bucks and, you know, they, they knew what the fishing is what they did and they went out and fished so they could sell fish. Maybe that's what it was. I'm not sure. It almost seems to me like though they were at loose ends. They didn't know what the next step was, where this was going to head. If they would see Jesus again, would there be something in the future for them? They had seen him on a couple of different occasions where he encouraged their hearts and, and uh, gave them words of blessing. But now what? And Peter's response was to kind of go back to what he had done before. He was familiar with fishing. Also notice, sometimes when we make decisions like that, we influence others. Peter said, I'm going out fishing. The other six guys went, well, sure, why not? I will go with you. So often you influence the people around you, especially when you're, when you're Peter's. He was kind of going back to where he had been before, a place where he had felt comfortable. And if he hadn't had this encounter with Jesus, I think he would have kept drifting. And that's a hard place to be. Uh, you get used to that other routine, and all of a sudden you kind of let some of the other things go. Jesus wants to make sure that he gets right back into doing ministry again. It'll be different now because Jesus was the one who gave them things to do before. Jesus would give them assignments, send them out. He would teach them and tell them to apply those things. Now they were going to have to figure out how to do that on their own. The Holy Spirit would come in just a few days to help them with that process. But Jesus is saying, get out and do ministry. You guys help each other. Find those others who are interested in me. Share the word with them. Not just the message of the gospel, but encourage and strengthen their hearts. Do ministry. The great thing about my encounter with you, Jesus says, is that not only uh, can you be forgiven and restored to intimacy, but you can do something worthwhile again for me. Now, there's one other little sequel to this incident that I wanted to share with you because there's a third thing that Jesus taught them. So let's kind of read through this just a little bit. This is the, the very next part of it when Jesus is having an encounter with Peter. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Before I go any further, the disciple whom Jesus loved is probably John. Now, John is writing this, and John has this habit of doing this, especially in this latter part of the gospel. Rather than referring to himself by name, 
he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't think that's bragging. That almost sounds like, like when you were a kid and you said, uh, I, I'm, I'm mom and dad's favorite, you would say to your other siblings. I don't think that's what John is doing here. I don't think he's being boastful. When he refers to himself as the, as the one that Jesus loved, I think that, that's a humble thing. There's that one song that um, Ben taught us two months ago, Good, Good God. Good, good father, I'm sorry. And uh, where, where we say, and I'm loved by him. It's who I am. It's who I am. Do you remember that song? And I think, that's where, I think that's where John is. My identity is wrapped up in the fact that Jesus loves even me. I don't think he's saying it boastfully. I think he's saying it in wonder and marvel. Jesus loves even me. So John's learning along this way in addition to Peter. But Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And that brings up the third thing that he teaches. Not only do we renew our relationship and get restored to ministry, but we have now a resolve to follow. That's kind of the end of the process, I guess, or the culmination of the process of Jesus kind of counseling us to come back to him after we've been away for a while. Not only do we reassure, or are we reassured in that intimacy that we have with him, that we can still call him uh, our Savior and our Lord, and we can still walk with him. Not only do we still have the privilege of being able to do ministry, but he says, you know, from here on, follow me. I know that's been tough for you, Peter, because sometimes you wanted to run on ahead. Peter was always uh, doing things that uh, were um, kind of exciting and interesting. He's the one who said, um, Jesus, tell me to come out on the water. Jesus was walking to them on the stormy water when they were in a boat. Tell me to come out of the boat and walk to you. And for just a little while, Peter did until he got fearful and fell in. Jesus was, uh, Peter was always the one who wanted to be there when the Lord was doing things. Peter, James, and John had uh, been in situations where none of the others were. There's one account of a little girl that was, that was dead, and Jesus raised her to life. And in addition to himself and the parents, the only other three people in the room were Peter, James, and John. Peter had all kinds of special privileges. And Jesus says, Peter, I just want you to follow me. Wherever that takes us, wherever that leads, follow me. And the other caution is, don't worry about so much what I'm doing with other people. You follow me. So there's like two parts to this instruction. One is, follow me, Peter, wherever I take you in life, wherever I lead you, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, follow me, keep your eyes on me, and don't be worried about what I'm doing with others. Now, that's one of the kind of crazy things, isn't it, about who we are, at least who I am. Sometimes when I want to know what God's doing in my life and how he's leading me, I'm interested in what God's doing in your life, too. Not interested. I want to know how come... God's not treating me as he's good as he's treating you. Sometimes that's what I think. I see what's going on in your life, and I wonder, how come I'm not getting that? How come I don't have that? Peter's kind of a little upset because the Lord has just explained to him that one day, Peter, if you follow me, you're going, you are going to die for me. One day, you, once upon a time, you boasted that you would, but you really wouldn't. One day, though, you really will. You follow me, and one day you will die, and that's how you'll glorify me. So Peter goes, wow, that's big. 
So what about him? What about John? What will happen to him? Is he going to die too? And Jesus said, look, don't you worry. I, I, I know the perfect plan for John's life. And if he follows me, that'll be what he finds out. You just follow me, whatever that brings. That's a help to me because a lot of times I, I look at other people and I compare. Sometimes it's, it's usually, I usually compare myself to you to your detriment. I, I see what's going on in your life. I say, that's great. But how about me? I never miss a day of devotions. Uh, you know, I, I, I pray for people all the time. I share my faith. I serve the church. And how come I don't have all those good things that other person does? Jesus says, don't be comparing yourself to other people. You follow me. You're, you're a particular special person. Even as uh, Tommy and Eddie were saying when he was being chiseled away, all the bad stuff. I've got my work to do on you. I've got things to chisel off of you. You don't worry about John. I'm working on John, too. He's got some other problems. He's got some other issues. I'm going to chisel them off, too. You just follow me. Don't compare yourself to others. Now, encourage others. He's not saying don't worry about what's going on with John. You should worry about each other like brothers. That's why I said feed my sheep, shepherd my lambs. Take care of each other. That's all part of being in the body of Christ. That's all part of that being family. That's what the celebration of Christian family is all about. But don't worry about what I'm doing in their life. You just watch and marvel at what I'm doing in yours. So those are the things that, um, those are the things that Jesus gives him. Lord, I want to be renewed in my relationship to you. I want to be restored to ministry. And Lord, help me by your grace to resolve to follow you, and that will be good enough. I don't know about you, but I go through times in my life where that's where I am. That's where I need to be. I, I, I know that I've, um, I guess the way I see it, I've let the Lord down. Although I liked in that little skit that uh, Eddie James says, you, you know, you're not holding me up. Even though you, your life may be a mess, that's not holding me up. I've got work to do, and I'm about doing it. But when I have that sense that I've let him down, when that's the way I feel, I come back to him so that I can be reaffirmed in my relationship with him, that he knows that I still love him, that I still want to walk with him. He gives me wonderful opportunities to serve and do ministry. And he tells me that if I will resolve to follow him, he will do the things in my life that need to be done. He will chisel away the things that need to be taken care of. He will work in my life in a wonderful way. He can do that for you, too. As uh, we continue in our time of worship and, and reflection, I'm just going to be down front because a lot of these things I just need to work on myself. I need to kind of work, work these things out myself. I need to come back to the Lord often on my own and say, Lord, I really am in love with you. I really want to be uh, doing things that, that make a difference. Forgive me for my waywardness. Forgive me for my lack of interest in ministry. Forgive me for the things that I've done. I know I haven't been a good reflection of your love in the lives of others. Renew that relationship. Come in and work in my heart. So as I pray and the band comes up to lead us again, just be asking in your life, are you at that place in your life where you really need to come back to him? You need a time by the, by the fire with Jesus just to kind of work things out and come back and be a part of what he's doing. Lord, I do thank you for all that you've done for me and in my life.
And, and as I've uh, been getting to know the folks here at Crossroads, I'm amazed at what you're doing in their lives, too. In a lot of ways, it really challenges me, and I realize that, that I've uh, kind of let things drift a little bit, and I've been content and complacent. And to be in that place means I'll probably drift away from you. So, Lord, here I am back again this morning. I want to be renewed in my relationship with you and these others. Lord, I want to see real opportunities for ministry restored to me so that the things that uh, you uh, give me the privilege of doing, the things that are accomplished through the ministry that we do here will be something that will bring your son glory. And Lord, and this is probably the hardest part of all, wherever that leads, uh, we want to follow you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.